Welcome to The Secret Life of Entrepreneurs. Stay tuned to meet today's guest and hear their story of what makes them tick, what drives them to succeed, and their role in growing a thriving business community. The Secret Life of Entrepreneurs chronicles the success and secrets of locally owned businesses and owners. Listen in live as we discuss their secrets and learn how they are making a positive impact in their community. You're listening to your host, Bart McGrath, business leader, entrepreneur, and founder of the Get Found on Google program. Let's get started. So our our guest today is Jeff Kanash, and he's from Peregrine Farms down in Wishart. So he's going to talk with us about developing a thriving farm-to-table business. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Barb. Thank you very much for being here. So let's start it off. Tell us a little bit about Peregrine Farms. Um, Well, it's a pasture-based farm uh, just outside of Wishart. There's it's off grid. I've got no power. It's um, just making it work. I raise honeybees and uh, pasture raised chickens, and I've got a about a half to acre size market garden on the farm. And uh, I spend my summers out there, living out of a trailer, mm-hmm. and just trying to produce food in, in a loving way and 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 in a healthy way. And in a healthy way, of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So let's just take a step back there. Um, I suspect that some of our viewers don't know where where Wishart Wish is. Art, yeah. <laughs> There's a tongue twister for you. Where is it? Uh, south of Winyard, okay. about an hour north of Fort Propel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's 50 people. It's off all the Sun Island grid roads, as a matter of fact. So okay. uh, you're forgiven if you don't know where it is. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. I am one of those. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and how did you end up there? Um, I was living in uh, BC, Whistler area for uh, through the 90s. And then when my uh, wife and I, when she got pregnant, we moved back to Saskatchewan so she could be around her family. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to live in the city. And if you're going to live in a small town in Saskatchewan somewhere, it's probably best to live someplace where uh, the name is recognized, the people know you. So we moved to mm-hmm. where her, uh, both her grandparents grew up. Or, or, okay. Yeah, grew up like so Saskatchewan's home for her, even though you met it in BC as well. Yeah, and I grew up in Saskatoon. Ah, so okay. Saskatchewan was home for both of us. So it mm-hmm. made sense to raise a family back here. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So then there's a quarter section on the farm, or there's a quarter section in her family that's um, been in the family since 1882. I think mm-hmm. it's the oldest family farm in the in the RM. And so I was able to use that to pursue my farming dreams. And mm-hmm. uh, but we live in Wishart, just a little town. Okay. Farm. So farming, was farming always your dream? Uh, no, nope. I didn't really clue into that until the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, I hitched hike down to Honduras one winter after tree planting and pruning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just, I was, uh, I hooked up with these agricultural people on the coast of Honduras and just fell in love with it and okay. saw what a wonderful life these people had. They were quite poor, but mm-hmm. you know, the quality they, they had, of they life. Had, yeah, they had yeah. good quality of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were smiling and they were doing things all the time. And, exactly. Yeah, and I just thought, you know, a few little technical advantage or uh, improvements and, yeah, a farm in Saskatchewan, a small farm in Saskatchewan would be mm-hmm. a nice way to live. So so that was where I got my inspiration from. Okay. And, um, and then I moved back to BC or went back home or back to BC after traveling mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, sought out a little farm and, and 
farm there for four years before. Oh, you were farming out in BC too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Same type of farm? Yeah, just a market garden, orchard, laying hens, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. kind of a small scale again, but. Uh, okay. But it got me started. Right, yeah. exactly. It gave you the experience and it gave you a taste for it, obviously, because you continued. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just before we got started today, I did ask you a little bit about uh, the name of your farm, Peregrine Farms. Where does that come from? Um, well, like I mentioned, the farm's been in the family since 1882. It was settled by Charles Perry. Okay. And Peregrine is sort of the root word of Perry. So it's just kind of a nod to the family history. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think another meaning of Peregrine is nomadic. I both like to travel, mm -hmm. which we did back in the day, and uh, and so that was how we came up with that. Okay, and it just kind of stuck. Yeah, how stuck. old are your kids now? You talked about uh, when you and your wife first started your family. Yeah, this year they'll be uh, 15, 17, and 20. Oh, okay, so yes. how much uh, how much are they able to help? Um, well, they, they used, they used to help me butcher chickens. Um, ah. and so yeah, I, that was, that was what they did to help. Okay. And, uh, last year when I, I went a lot bigger, um, they promptly retired. They didn't, they heard the numbers I was going at and they, they didn't want to do that. So, uh, so that, so they, <laughs> they felt, you know, I mean, they still help me. It's, you know, some chores are filling in or if I'm mm -hmm. gone, they, they, you know, opening and closing the greenhouse and all that kind of thing they help me with. But, uh, okay. that's mostly a, a one person show. But, you know, I mean, it's evolving, right? My mm -hmm. my oldest now, she's probably going to start editing some videos for me for, for the okay. website and doing stuff because that's her interest. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so, yeah, they'll, they, they're they involved in one way or another. One way or the other. Yeah. And it's nice to have that techie support, hey? Oh, it sure is, yeah. <laughs> Jeff and I have had a few conversations around technology and it either works or it doesn't work. No two ways about it. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so tell me a little bit about the farming operation. Uh, we know where you are, but you know, how are you making a livelihood out of it? Okay, um, I'm just starting to try and make a livelihood out okay. of it. I've been a massage therapist for the last 16 years, and so I've been able to kind of do both. Um, or I guess my massage career sort of supported the family, and then I've kind of stuck money into the farm, trying to just slowly build it up all these years, mm -hmm. and. Um, and then finally, you know, I start to feel my thumbs go a little bit. I'm, I'm just kind of ready to move on from mm -hmm. uh, my therapy career and, and jump to farming full time. So, uh, okay. so last year I tried doing that and, um, yeah, almost worked didn't quite, but, uh, okay. um, but yeah, almost. So this year mm -hmm. I've actually just decided to quit massage a couple of weeks ago. So okay. the next week is my last week and then uh, mm -hmm. I'm just going to full-time go full-time yeah okay so if somebody wants to check out uh the, the produce and the goods that you have where do they find all of your product i've been going to the regina farmers market okay uh, that's been since december mm -hmm. and we're now moving outside next week so mm -hmm. that'll be in victoria park and okay. then i'm trying to also use website and online sale mm -hmm. um been kind of struggling with that, trying to learn the ropes uh, of the yep. whole online marketing thing. Um, I finally broke down and got some help from some people. So as of this week and moving forward, my uh, marketing and all, just everything is going to fall into place, and I can just yep. I can just write blogs and write information and give people value exactly. and not have to worry about how to get it out there. And how the message gets out that there. That part is just yeah, it's been overwhelming for me mm -hmm. the last few months trying to figure that out. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm more than happy to offload that onto someone else. Okay. Okay. And so on that note, I'm just going to quickly share again that 
Uh, for anyone who does tune in between now and July 15th, uh, Jeff has agreed to share a bit of a bonus at the end of the show today. Uh, so be sure to stay tuned right to the very end uh, when we'll share some details around that. But certainly, uh, if you like something that's tasty, it'll be great to stay tuned in and learn a little bit more about that offer. So Jeff, what do you actually sell? I sell pasture-raised chickens, mm -hmm. uh, honey, and produce. Okay. Yeah. And I think you and I had this conversation before too, but there's there's a lot of misconception out there about organic chicken, pasture-raised chicken, uh, and then what you might find typically in the grocery store. And in fact, do I remember correctly that there's no such thing really as an organic chicken because organic is a plant where pasture-raised is how an animal is fed? Um, do I have that all messed up? Well, yeah, you can still get an organic chicken. And, and, and the okay. basis of that would be the chickens being fed organic grains. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the ones that you get in the grocery store, probably 100% are uh, are raised in, in, in barn situations. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's an industrial situation, except they're being right. fed organic grains instead of whatever cheap protein that, that industrial system would use. Okay. Um, yeah, so basically what I'm doing is is raising all my birds on pasture. So mm -hmm. I've got them in, in. So that means they roam they, freely they roam within a space. Freely within a space. Yeah, that's okay. correct. Yeah. There's a couple different ways of doing that, but for the most, but yeah, as, as long as the birds are outdoors and on mm -hmm. fresh pasture, you know, daily or regularly, then that would qualify as pasture raised. Okay. Um, you know, you'll sometimes get situations where an industrial system might open the back doors of the barn and let them run out a little bit, but, but still the whole idea is to get chickens eating. Um, well, I mean, I, you still feed them grain, of course. So I have fresh okay. roll, you know, wheat and peas for them daily, mm -hmm. but, uh, they still want a percentage or you, you want to get a percentage of plants um, into their system because that's where they get high quality minerals. And also it makes a difference in taste and, okay. and health of the birds. Mm -hmm. So that's the uh, idea behind that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so for the consumer, uh, if I was to look at the pricing spectrum, um, I can taste a lot of difference between having had one of your birds and then, you know, traditionally buying from the grocery store. Um, and I shared this story with Jeff when we first met, but uh, our family, we, we have a whole roaster chicken on a fairly regular basis. And we got out of that habit um, I don't know why, but we really got out of the habit for a while. And so when Jeff and I first chatted, uh, I went and met him at the farmer's market and of course bought a bird. And when we ate it, which we ate for the next week, cause we bought a nice <laughs> big one. Um, but the taste, like it is, it, it has taste again, mm -hmm. right? It's not protein cardboard. It tastes like chicken again mm -hmm. and it's moist. And it, it sounds crazy for, for someone who has never tried it. It's like well, chicken's chicken. But if you haven't tried a pasture-raised chicken and you don't know the difference, right? Like it's it's really there's, hard to explain to someone. No, there's a huge flavor um, and texture differences between the two, and it's just because mm -hmm. the, the bird is eating plants. You yes. know, in, in any kind of industrial barn system, they are eating, you know, dried, processed, heated, you know, feed. So, yeah. um, oh, sometimes you know, questionable origin. So exactly. Uh, yeah. I guess the saying is you are what you eat. It's also you are what you eat eats, right? So if you're yes. eating any kind of animal product, you really got to look and see what that animal is eating in 
order to, um, you know, quantify its its health and what it's doing for you. Exactly. So tell us about a typical day for you. What do you do? What do you need to do? You got to feed the birds. You got to tend to the kids that are still at home. What does a day look like for Jeff? Um, it's always changing because I live very seasonally, but um, I guess right now I'm mostly focused on my greenhouse. I don't have chickens at the moment. Okay. Um, so I'm just yeah raising starts in the greenhouse and uh, just sort of getting ready to, to move outdoors. Um, mm -hmm. When I have chicks, uh, especially when you have chicks, like one day old to two weeks old or whatever, yeah. it's pretty intensive. You really got to monitor what they're doing and, 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 and how they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I raise my birds off grid, which is anyone who okay. raised chickens is just going to be scratching their head at this one because the, you traditionally use a heat, heat source, source. Or heat exactly. lamp of some kind. I didn't have that option because... Um, well, yeah, the farm doesn't have power, yeah. so I had to really dig deep and find a way to to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I kind of I went I went on a limb last year and and, and I found a system from Korea that that seemed they've been doing it there. So I just made it. I just tried it, right? Uh, okay. and, and it worked out really well. Mm -hmm. It turned out, yeah, I was very happy with the results. Uh, good, happy healthy birds out of that and so so yeah but it, again it takes some very intensive management and, and observation um, yeah. at first right to, to see how they're doing so um so yeah so i'm doing that and then okay. uh and then at the same time trying to uh you know check on my bees and manage mm -hmm. the bees uh planting garden uh, last year i was building infrastructure like crazy because i like i, said, I mentioned i stepped up my exactly you were stepping up the game year. yeah so mm -hmm. uh so hopefully this year won't be as frantic because i'll ha I have a lot of the infrastructure in place but there's always improvements to make and always mm -hmm. uh infrastructure to work on and all that stuff right i mean it's just it takes forever to build up a farm to where yeah. you want it and to where it can kind of run itself so to speak um at least infrastructure wise so mm -hmm. um so yeah so i'll, I'll just yeah be busy the chicks are four pale it into a uh, I, I pale it into a trailer that's on attached to my quad and then I drive my quad out to the where the chickens are on pasture and then I pale it into their bee pails and you know get them chickens then I will move on to my garden and work with that or depending on the weather and what needs to be done with the bees I'll work on that mm -hmm. so I'll pretty much work on the farm all day long and then yep. uh, at some point I'll have to go home and see my kids and spend some family and time and work on the family time maybe pick up a meal and, uh, and then I spend my nights on the farm again as well so nice what's the um the cycle for chicks when will you have chicks uh, because I'm brooding mostly outdoors or not in an insulated barn or something like that, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't try and start too early. So May, middle of May is when I'll start with my chicks this year. Okay. And then I'll do cycles. So I'll, I'll raise a batch. And then three weeks later, I'll raise another batch. Three weeks Got later, it. I'll raise another batch. Mm -hmm. Depending on my pre-sales and how things go, I might raise one more batch. Uh, okay. Moving into July. So. So, and what's the time frame from the time you 
have your first batch of chicks until those chicks actually become available for sale as a... After 11 weeks. Oh, really? It's that quick? It's a great term. Oh, I didn't realize that. I I was expecting you to say, you know, a year. I didn't realize. (laughs) Oh, okay. No, I do not want to be on the farm in the wintertime. Like I said, no power, no house. Got it. So you don't live on the farm then? No, I live in a trailer on the farm in the winter or in the summer. In the summer. And then in the wintertime, where are you? The farm shuts down and I live in Wishart. Oh, and you have power in Wishart. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got all that in Wishart. Got it. Okay. Deep freezes and all those sort of things. Yes, and so that's where storage is. Yes. Got it. Okay. See, this is making a little bit more sense. I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. the whole family, no power. Ooh. Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) Okay. That makes a heck of a lot more sense. So pasture-raised meat might be a chicken, might be a cow, might be whatever. Um, pasture raised food has become much more popular in the last number of years. Uh, we've seen, you go into a normal grocery store and, you know, they have a bird or they have meat that they claim was pasture raised that they claim is organic. Where is this coming from and and where do you think it's going to go as an industry? Oh, the health food industry is only getting better and better and it's only going to grow more and more. Yeah. Um, people are sick and tired of being sick and tired and, mm-hmm. you know, and every day people figure out that, Hey, you know, how you take care of yourself is directly related to how you feel. There's, that's just a fact. Yeah. And, uh, but not everyone's ready to live up to that fact, but, mm-hmm. but everyday people are. And, and so yeah. as they realize that they need to take care of themselves, then they start turning towards, organic foods and, mm-hmm. and you know, vegetables and, and live foods and pastured animals and all that kind of thing. So yeah, um, yeah it's just, it's super important. And, and it's, I mean, it's only got one way to go and that's up. It's not a bad, it's a, mm-hmm. you know, we're, it's kind of hid from the public, but we're in the middle of a chronic health epidemic. If you oh, want to absolutely. look at the stats, you know, I mean, the, the biggest one is something like 4% of adults have chronic diseases at the end, you know, in the late sixties, let's say 50 years ago. And mm-hmm. now it's approaching half of children have a chronic illness. And, uh, I mean, that's just ridiculous. So uh, it is. Yeah. It, it's all kinds of things, whether you go from the autism stats to all the brain dysfunction stats, the, mm-hmm. I mean, just every statistic for illness is on it, on the rise and yes. grossly on the rise. Mm-hmm. It, it, so, um, we don't often talk about it, but it's there. And uh, yeah, the only way really out of it is to take care of ourselves. Yes, exactly. And a different kind of take care of ourselves, right? It's not about, um, well, a lot of people, when you when you think about self-care, especially directed towards women, self-care has become pampering yourself mm-hmm. versus take care, taking care of yourself holistically, mm-hmm. right? Sleeping well, family time, how you eat, right? The things you put in and on your body, absolutely. Right? they absolutely make a huge yeah. difference. And there's yeah. been so much science just in the last 20 years, even on, on you, know, you know, I mean, we've mapped the human genome, right? In, in the late nineties, the early two thousands. And, and, you know, the whole genetic determinism theory where you are, what your genes are and, and that's it. And you're stuck with them. You know, that's been thrown out the window. Now we know that mm-hmm. our, our, mm-hmm. our genes are reacting to their environment. We know that our our guts you know gut health is such a big thing these days and, mm-hmm. and people don't quite understand what's going on but but i mean the biology in our stomach is pretty much directly re- uh, responsible for how we feel how our uh, all our systems run um like it th- th- that is the the, the, the center of, of 
our health really is. And so if you can maintain a, a healthy you know, biome, microbiome, the biology in your guts and all that stuff, you can, you can maintain that, then your body's going to respond very positively. And exactly. Yeah, you can achieve very good health. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, I mean, you have to really look at, you have to look, you have to go deep as to what we eat and what we put in our bodies and, and, and how our minds affect our guts. And just like you said, the holistic thing, because anything that's got a preservative in it, for example, mm -hmm. a preservative is an antimicrobial agent. So any antimicrobial agent that you're putting into your body is killing bacteria, right? You mm -hmm. know, I mean, just, your body's bacteria your, and wherever it's come your from. Your body's bacteria, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's what we really need to focus on is, is not killing the bacteria in our guts because that's what's responsible for every facet of our, our body our function, being. right? Our yep. being, yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's community down there. And I mean, the way I kind of liken it is, you know, as a community, let's just look at, say, Regina, you, got, you pull out your phone book, right? And every yeah. time you ingest something that's a, toxin of some kind well tear a page out of the out of the yellow pages right because you're 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 destroying some sort of function in your body when you destroy bacteria so yeah. you know you pull out enough pages and you're going to start to lose services right and when you mm -hmm. start losing services your city starts to um not be so thriving it starts to deteriorate yeah. and, and things like that so yeah, I guess that's one way to think about it. No, that's actually, more. that's a really good analogy. That's an analogy I hadn't heard before, but that's a fantastic analogy. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, uh, I had another guest on the show back in January, uh, Kirsten from Kirsten's Cultures. Okay. And oh, she yeah. brews kombucha and uh, kefir and all those sorts of things. And I shared with her that, you know, again, our family, you know, there's obviously a period of time where we were really conscious of our health. And, and again, I don't know how it slipped. So I know what I'll be thinking about this afternoon, but uh, we were making kefir at home and we were going through a liter of homemade kefir on a daily basis. So there's four of us in the house and the kids would have some and I would have some and my husband. Um, but we were going through tons. And uh, I think my husband and I both lost some weight. Um, the cravings for sugar and pop, like gone, absolutely gone, right? But as you know, making kefir can be a pretty labor intensive process. And so the last time I made a batch, I put them into the fridge, kind of to rest them for a while, just because it had become intensive. And I think they're probably well rested and yeah, yeah. maybe even in the grave at this point well, you so you can always get more but you know yes, I mean, that, that, exactly. that brings up with something else I'd, I'd like to share with you um mm -hmm. that's really interesting is my youngest daughter she um she's in 4-h and so she did a 4-h science fair project and mm -hmm. what she did was she compared the bacterial counts of pasteurized sauerkraut organic non-pasteurized sauerkraut okay. and she made her own sauerkraut and compare that. So I've got a soil microscope at home, you know, just to look at soil bacteria and geek yeah. and things like that. And so she used, so she used my microscope and she made slides and, and looked at it all and, yeah. and, um, and found that the homemade bacteria had, had, there was more bacteria in the homemade than there was in the organic and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and more than the one that was in the, uh, the pasteurized one. So okay. she then went to national 4-H science fair in Nova Scotia. And um, wow. so she won that. And after she won that, her. The, she got a mentor and, and, the, and this mentor suggested to her that she 
get some professional testing, you know, because with a, with a microscope, even with a 400 times microscope, you only can see the biggest right. of bacteria. You can't, and it's, okay. it's not super accurate, right? Mm -hmm. So she had to estimate and, you know, there's a lot of little bacteria in a, in a yeah. microscope screen. So, um, so anyway, so she took her samples to, oh, what's it called? Intertech, I think. Um, it's okay. a company in Saskatoon or it's a lab in Saskatoon that, that does a lot of food testing and things like that. So, mm -hmm. so they looked at the lactobacteria counts of, uh, for three samples. Okay. And so uh, it, it was pretty amazing. She was so excited when she got the results back because yeah. the pasteurized sauerkraut that you get from the grocery store had okay. 1,100 lactobacillus. Okay. okay. That's nothing. That seems nothing, especially when you hear that the organic, non-pasteurized commercial variety that she picked up at the grocery store okay. had 310,000 um, okay. Yep. Uh, so eleven hundred to three hundred and ten thousand. Right. Yep. Her homemade one, eleven million. <laughs> so eleven million. Yeah. So it, it was wow. ten thousand times, times better yep. than the pasteurized sauerkraut that you get in the grocery store. So uh, yeah, yep. just, I mean that's just one example of how homemade is is so, so important, much right? better. Yeah. So if you're making the effort to do uh, to make kefir at home, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Good thing because it's i'm sure it exactly. translates into, way better yeah. than yeah so if she's making something like that at home like has mm -hmm. she gone to the well, whatever you don't grow she goes to the grocery store she fills in the blanks with whatever kind of produce you guys buy whether it's organic or not mm -hmm. so she's still buying the typical produce that we would have available for sauerkraut mm -hmm. right and then making it but making it in the home environment mm -hmm. where we don't have to heat it and bottle it and airtight pack it and that's yeah wow yeah, what a difference. Yeah. That's huge. All right, well, we are nearly out of time. Um, I'd like you to be able to wrap up, Jeff, and tell us one more time, how can we find you? Where will you be with your product? Uh, and, you know, just quickly tell us all of that, and then I will share the news on the bonus. Okay. Uh, well, you can find me at Regina's Farmers Market. market. As a, beginning as a Saturday beginning outdoors. Sa yeah, that's correct. Um, I do have a website, peregrinefarm.ca. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, a little bit under construction right now, but uh, yeah, that's that's a good way to find me and um, sign up. Is a signing up is a really good way to uh, keep in touch and, and know more about what I'm doing. Um, I'm really looking forward to adding value for my customers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, from this moment forward, really, I'm I'm really working on trying to just inspire people to eat better, give them information on how to know more about. Um, you know, whole foods, right? Natural mm -hmm. farm fresh foods and stuff like that and how it affects you. Um, and then you can also follow me on Instagram is my favorite. Okay. Facebook, I just forward things from Instagram to Facebook. So you can follow <laughs> me on Facebook if you like. Uh, um, but yeah, Instagram is my is my easy go-to. Okay, and I think on Instagram, you're Peregrine Farm SK. Peregrine Farm SK, yeah. Okay. Excellent. And I think, cause I think that's what it is on Facebook too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. So let's get into the bonus. Uh, for anyone who takes the time to listen to our episode today, uh, between now, May 1st and July 15th of 2019, uh, Jeff has offered two things for us and, or sorry, one thing we changed that up, didn't we? Okay. Uh, so what I need you to do is send a message to the above the fold, uh, Facebook page and just shoot me your email address so that we can take the conversation off Messenger. Uh, the first person who sends me a message today 
first five. First five. You see, it all keeps changing. <laughs> the first five people who send me a message uh, will get 50% off their purchase with Jeff from the Regina's Farmer's Market. And uh, I suspect that if more than those uh, email me, we'll hear from Jeff will probably sweeten the pot for a few others as well. So first five people, uh, send me your email address just so I can pass it on to Jeff and he will send you a note for 50% off your first purchase. So there is your tasty bonus. And I wanna share what Jeff brought for me today, a little jar of honey. Uh, I haven't opened it yet because I know if I do, I'll just sit here with a spoon <laughs> eating it. I might drop a spoon in there too, Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we are gonna wrap up and I'd like to give a shout out to Queen City Collective. Uh, the place in our community for entrepreneurs to gather, find community, and grow their business. If you haven't had a chance to check them out, look at them online, queencitycollective.ca, or you can just stop in for a visit. They're over on Broad Street. Um, I'd like to thank you, Jeff, from Peregrine thank Farms you, for joining us today. Uh, if that whole farm to table, that's a very interesting concept, I think, to so many people. And hearing about local businesses that are that are growing and thriving and, and giving back to the community. Um, to me, that's something that's so important. And I know I'll go home, like I said, and figure out how did we get out of this habit? Because we really need to get back into it's it. Back online here, exactly. Jeff has a subscription program. Let me just give him a little, um, uh, little shout out. So he has a subscription program. So let's say, for example, if you um, want a whole roaster chicken or a half roaster chicken, you can actually subscribe and get a chicken. Is it weekly, monthly? Yeah, once a month. Yeah, once okay. a month. Yeah. yeah. So you can get uh, a couple of chickens. You can pick them up at the farmer's market. You can get them delivered yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's lots of options out there. We are out of time. I'd like to thank you for joining us today on The Secret Life of Entrepreneurs. As always, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email me at barb at googlegirl.ca or reach out on Facebook and Instagram at AboveTheFoldCA. Just a reminder, you can even submit questions in advance of the live show uh, on any of our social media channels. I'm your host, Barb McGrath, local business owner, digital marketer, and Google girl. Remember, you worked hard for your success. Don't keep it a secret. Bye for now.